and welcome back to season two of the Growth Adventure podcast. I am your host, Andrew Appel. I am thrilled to be joined today by Sherry Seiwert, president of Downtown Indie Inc. Sherry, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. I am looking forward to uh, where this conversation goes. We are both passionate champions for downtown Indianapolis. But before we kind of get into it, just for the benefit of our listeners, downtown Indy is, you know, I don't want to say unique or a unicorn, but you're not a chamber of commerce. You know, you're not the tourism board. Kind of for the benefit of our listeners and to kind of provide a foundation for our conversation, could you kind of share a little bit about your organization and, and what you do? Absolutely. So thank you again for having me this morning. Downtown Indy Inc. is a nonprofit that focuses directly on our downtown footprint so that we can enhance the value and the vitality of our downtown in a nutshell. So we enhance services for our downtown to make sure that it is clean, that it feels safe, that it feels welcoming and vibrant. And we work very closely with all of our downtown stakeholders to make that happen. Well, we will certainly get into the topics of safety, security, cleanliness, welcomeness, because Indy certainly is all of those things. But question for you about impact. You're not a government entity, right? So everything that you do involves persuasion and collaboration. So I guess, how do you approach those challenges knowing that you're trying to make a huge impact, but you need the support of a lot of people to make it happen, if I'm articulating that well? You are. And you're right. Our work is all about partnerships. So you mentioned, you know, the Chamber and also Visit Indy, Sports Corp, the Arts Council. We work so closely with our civic partners, but we also work with all of the property owners and businesses in our downtown footprint, along with the residents, to make sure that, you know, every day downtown, again, is the best that it can be. So when we have visitors that are coming to Indianapolis, we want to make sure that downtown feels like it's a place that they want to come back to. Uh, We want to do everything that we can to recruit residents to our downtown. We have around 30,000 residents uh, in our downtown right now. That includes homeowners as well as renters. And from the business community, traditionally, we have about 130,000 employees that make up our downtown workforce. And so we want to, again, make sure that all of those combined audiences, you know, enjoy our downtown and and help it grow and make sure that it feels vibrant and safe as it does. And I probably should have asked at the beginning, just from a definitional standpoint, how do you describe downtown Indianapolis? Is it the original Mile Square? Is it Center Township? I guess just, just for the benefit of all of us. No, that's a great question. The city of Indianapolis defines downtown as regional center, which includes on the east side, I-70, on the south side, Interstate 65. And then as you loop around to the west, you have uh, just beyond White River. And then on the north is 16th Street. So it's a much bigger footprint than you would think of when you think about downtown. Most people do think about north, south, west, and east streets, which make up the mile square, which is really where we deliver about 80% of our services. Okay. Now we're going to get into the topic that I'm sure you are really looking forward to never having to talk about again, which is the impact of COVID on all things 
central business district related. So I uh, just an observation from my point, I have an opportunity to travel around the country for work quite a bit. And so I see a lot of different downtowns and they come in all shapes, sizes, varieties. One thing that I am tremendously grateful for a continuation of leadership in the city of Indianapolis is a rededicated focus on having full-time residents within your central, air quote, central business district, because it creates a whole different set of vitality and vibrance that when you go to some other downtowns, while they're lovely, at five o'clock, you could, you know, uh, the proverbial shoot a cannon down the middle of the street and not hit anybody. So obviously that created a certain benefit for Indianapolis going into, you know, March of 2020. But at the same time, my observation, at least, and you're living it much more than I am, is there's a battle of perception versus reality that unfortunately, you know, still in early fall of 2021, to a certain degree, um, I think municipalities across the country are dealing with. I mean, one, that must have been incredibly frustrating for you as somebody who spends so much time downtown. But how do you approach that challenge? And how are you continuing to work not just with your own messaging, but your partners to create an accurate narrative of what is going on in, in cities around the country? Great question. And you're right. This past Two years have been incredibly difficult for downtowns around the country. We certainly didn't escape it either. COVID coupled with civil unrest created a dynamic for many downtowns that we've had to work very hard to overcome. And it's funny how your timeframes kind of get muddied. But this time last year, we had created a uh, campaign called Back Downtown. We had brought together about 35 different stakeholders and worked uh, diligently on uh, three different constructs. And it was uh, centered around open for business, as well as the cleanliness of downtown and the safety of downtown. And again, the Back Downtown campaign, we tried to flood the media market with that type of messaging, along with you know, banners, and we hosted cleanups. We invited a number of leaders associated with different corporations to participate in those cleanups just to get them downtown and to let them see that downtown did still feel safe and that it was okay to bring your workforce back. We work very hard with our local police unit, downtown district. We often pay off-duty officers to bike around downtown. So we expanded that bike team tenfold. So we have bike units all around downtown 24-7. We also launched a safety ambassador program so that we have four civilian ambassadors that are in safety uniforms with radios. And so they offer that second set of eyes and ears on the street and can radio anything that they see in to get faster units on the scene if need be. We installed uh, cameras on many of the commercial properties downtown through uh, something called B-Link. And B-Link, what it does is it is connected to IMPD's camera system. So it's not that they're surveying something 24 hours a day, but if there is an occurrence, they can immediately get eyes on the situation through the B-Link system. So that's proven very beneficial. Again, if there's anything that, that happens in downtown, they don't have to wait to identify a perpetrator. They've got them on video. Uh, we also, again, on the cleanliness side, we have uh, street ambassadors that clean every day. 
So they are out walking around, picking up trash, uh, seasonally power washing sidewalks, making sure that they're kind of that hospitality arm as well. So if, if people just need information, they'll stop and they'll help them find their way. So it, just multiplicity of pieces that we try to put together in pretty short order over a five-month period of time. And, and most services on the ambassador side and officer side continue. But concentrating over a five-month period to try and get downtown to feel safer and get the message out that it was okay to come back to work, it was okay to come visit downtown, I think it's really paid off for our downtown. We were fortunate then to have the NCAA, all of the games that were scheduled here. So we felt like we had the work that we had done up until that point certainly made those games and all of the visitors that came in for those games felt a lot better for anybody that was coming to Indianapolis. Yeah, Indianapolis does big events very well. And actually, I was uh, I had the opportunity to be in Tucson this past week for work and, you know, just chatting with different people when they found out I was from Indianapolis. Unsolicited, a number of them have been here for some sort of either sporting event or a convention, and they all just spoke glowingly about their time in downtown. So uh, also as an employer, we participated in a cleanup day ahead of the uh, NCAA tournament. And I will just say, uh, this is not a judgment call on anyone who smokes, but if you do smoke, please use one of the many receptacles to put your uh, discarded cigarette butt in because I could not believe how many cigarette butts I picked up. So It is incredible. And you know what? We actually, we keep metrics on the amount of trash that our ambassadors pick up, including cigarette butts. And it's just astounding. It was mind-blowing once I got into some of those planter beds. So. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. So, so I mean, it, it would be easy to, to dwell on, on the negative of 2019 to 2021, you know, things that, that we're trying to rebuild or rebuild differently. But from an organizational and or a leadership standpoint, I would just be curious for you, what are some of the, the new skills that you learned either for yourself or organizationally that, that you've really found have been hidden strengths that you're going to continue doing going forward? Yeah, that's a great question. I will say, right, you think about retrospectively what was the good that came out of all of it. And you know, we formed, I always thought that we had relatively good partnerships with many of the retail owners, but they now have me on speed dial and we communicate almost daily through just, you know, phone calls and texts and whatnot so that I know exactly what's going on with their business. I know when they need assistance. And so it's really provided just that open communication and trust among the downtown, particularly the retailers, many of uh, certainly of the larger employers, but the retailers really struggled significantly through that time. And I feel like those that have been able to make it through, I wouldn't say they're all prospering, but they're certainly doing a lot better than they were you know, a year ago. I think we've all benefited from just the willingness to communicate and open ourselves up to what we can do better to improve downtown even more for, for their businesses. So picking up on that theme, if you had a crystal ball and you would you know, say, what do the next 18, 24 months look like? What do you think some of those new retail pivots that you're hearing on a daily basis from your partners might, might look like for citizens, for workers, for sure. visitors? So we do have some retail yet to fill. I will say we, we lost about 40 restaurants and bars. And since that time, we have gained about uh, 20 new which is good news. And there are more on the horizon. I'm, um, there's 
you know, if you walk around, you'll start to see some build out. There are some catalytic sites that are opportunities for us to concentrate on, one being Circle Center Mall. Most malls around the country uh, in downtown areas have struggled. I just got back in last night from San Diego, and uh, they are demolishing their downtown mall and bringing in a tech center. So it's, you know, I think that with the pandemic that all but euthanized our downtown mall, you know, we have some work to do there. It's, uh, it's a great location. It will not likely ever be a full retail center again. There is a study underway looking at that, the reuse currently, but I think that as a community, we really need to come together and think about what would benefit our downtown to go into to that area. And, you know, we have anything to do with, again, the, the pandemic, but you know, we have the Criminal Justice Center that is opening in October. And so we have many sites associated with the former jails to think about what the reuse of those sites look like, as well as the city county building. Many of those services will also move out. So, you know, just looking at downtown as a whole, I think that we need to undertake a new plan for downtown. You know, right now, I think we're doing a good job kind of doing one-offs on each location, but, you know, a, a healthy downtown takes into consideration all of its uses and making sure that they complement each other. And so as I look forward, that will be kind of the next step for our downtown. It's still a question mark around the office space, what employers will do as it relates to so many are still in the, the hybrid situation and, and what will that look like going forward in the next six months? Will they utilize their full office footprint space or will they dial that back? And how do we look at maybe the utilization of some of that existing office space? You mentioned the residential growth in our downtown and it has been tremendous over the last 15 years. When I took this position nine years ago, we had 20,000 residents and, and we now have 30,000. So in less than a decade, we've added more than 10,000 residents to downtown, and that continues to grow. If you were to dissect downtown and think about the core, as you mentioned, we do sporting events and conventions very well. But within that area, it's called the Wholesale District. It really is set up to do just that. It's very walkable. It has most of the restaurants, hotels, convention centers, and sporting venues. It lacks residential development right in that core. So, you know, I would folks know that I'm a proponent of adding some additional residential within that area so that, you know, as we go forward, we have some more foot traffic within that wholesale district. 100% support that initiative because even when office traffic and or otherwise was was down, you would go to certain parts of downtown and you would have no idea that anything had changed, right? Yeah. If you went to Mass Ave or if you went to Virginia or the areas with greater residential density, but then you could go two streets over to your point where the economy is geared around either office worker and or convention. And just a brief aside, I mean, I was astounded as to how many ways the convention center continued to be activated, even when traditional conventions weren't going on. But yeah, I mean, I think to the extent that not just Indianapolis, but urban areas in general can have a greater diversity of use of space the more vibrant those spaces become. Agreed. And just, you know, having that, the foot traffic out on the street, it not only makes it feel safer, it benefits clearly the retail, having the regular customer base uh, within that area. 
So I know this question is a bit like asking you to, to pick a favorite pet or a favorite child, but knowing that you care about all of downtown, is there a particular neighborhood or segment of downtown that you're especially excited about here over the next five, 10 years? That is a tough question. Fortunately, I only have one child, so I don't have to pick. <laughs> uh, but not in the very near term, but I think the growth of White River, so many cities have beautiful pedestrian parks along the river. And for whatever reason, as a city, we turn our backs on our river and kind of build away from it. There is a plan in place now to enhance the White River and be able to participate in activities, you know, over the next several years. But I think to be able to engage the little water that we have uh, in our city is exciting. Uh, So I do look forward to that. I do look forward to having a pedestrian walkway. And as the Alenco project gets underway and the old GM stamping plant, I think we'll see tremendous growth pushing out into uh, that area. What is exciting is that from the strength of downtown, the growth of all of the surrounding areas you know, is looking pretty significant. I mean, you've, you've seen the, the dynamic of Bottle Works, the redevelopment, what that has done for northeastern edge of Massachusetts Avenue. 16 Tech obviously is underway and the announcement that, you know, they have a new residential development that will start there and the AMP uh, associated with that. Um, as I mentioned, the Criminal Justice Center and, you know, as, as the southeast kind of push, pushes uh, further out and now to the Southwest. So (laughs) all points, the four points of of downtown are doing very well. And now I think we need to resettle back to the core of downtown, because as I mentioned earlier, we have so many sites that have great development opportunities. So I I really, if I were to pick one, I'm gonna say the core. I think that that the core of downtown needs to be re-envisioned a little bit. To your commentary around Circle Center Mall, I mean, that it's a, some people might say it's a huge challenge, but I would prefer to view it as a huge opportunity because I think if, as a citizenry, Indianapolis has shown that we are willing to think big picture and long term. And if you have a great idea, feel free to reach out on it. So that's great. So, uh, pivoting a little bit to you and kind of your leadership journey, you've been in this role for nine years. If you had to pick one or two things that you feel that you have personally grown the most around, what would that or they be? I have learned patience uh, more so than I had before I took this position. Uh, So just, again, working with so many different audiences and trying to make sure that you collaborate with all of them and uh, build consensus has uh, taught me a great deal of patience. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to have been in this position. Prior to coming here, I worked in neighborhood redevelopment in some of our surrounding urban neighborhoods and, and did a lot of uh, financing of, of redevelopment projects in and around Indianapolis as well as statewide. And that was great fun. But you know that taught me, you know I was a little bit more tactical, I believe, uh, when I took this position. So just being far more collaborative with different audiences has, uh, I've benefited greatly from that. I would imagine that that was a tough transition to go from, I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. I mean, neighborhood redevelopment, I mean, it's a vitally important thing, but you, there's a tangible 
outcome, right? You, right. There, there's a process and then you can see the results of what you're doing or you can see the ground being moved or whatever it might be. Whereas I'd imagine when you stepped into this role, and I, I don't want to project, but if it were me going from like, I can physically see what is happening to more of a meta esoteric long-term that yes. I, I personally probably would have felt some frustration with that. How long did you feel like that took you to make that transition? It took me probably almost a year. One, to you know, when you take a new job, you just even within your office, you think, oh, you know, am I ever going to learn everybody's name and everything? Learning all of the um, stakeholders, um, the names and kind of who they were associated with, that was a blur the first three months, I have to uh, recall, thinking, gosh, am I ever going to get there? But, you know, it's just, it's outstanding the amount of collaborative, relationships that that exist in our city and i just i can't say enough about the people uh not only that i work with here in our organization but our board members and you know this the private and, and public sectors everyone is so supportive and everyone wants the same thing for our downtown they want it to be successful and one of the best downtowns in the country so uh you know to that end we're all working towards the same goal which is great but yeah, it, it took me a little while to calibrate myself to this job. But, you know, again, it's uh, I've, I've been used to working in more difficult uh, surroundings. And when I got here, I thought, wow, you know, at the time, downtown was booming. And so it was great just to be able to be a part of that uh, ongoing growth. So, you know, most recently, it's been uh, far more difficult to see some of that come to a screeching halt. So I think we're finally starting to see the old light at the end of the tunnel. We have a, a platform that we're able to measure foot traffic in our mm-hmm. downtown. And so if I geofence Monument Circle, for instance, we're at about 70% of where we were pre-pandemic. So just knowing that a lot more people are coming downtown and they feel good about coming downtown certainly makes me get up in the morning. You have much more concrete data than I do, but before we shift to the lightning round, I will tell you my two anecdotal ways of knowing how many people are coming back downtown. One is the Starbucks in our parking lot at 14th Capitol. And if I look out my window and I see a, a drive through line around the block, I know that uh, more people are coming down. Yes. Uh, and the other is how long do I have to wait for my cluster truck delivery? Because I will tell you in May of 2020, that food was getting to me in about 15 minutes, whereas now there's some days it's 60 to 75 minutes. And part of me says, ooh, I don't want to wait that long. And the other part of me says, ah, I'm glad there are more people ordering. Uh, that's a great indicator. So, well, like I said, you have more, <laughs> you have more concrete data than I do, but that's what I go by. So, all right. So we are going to shift over to the lightning round here. Uh, okay. I'll ask you four questions. There are no wrong answers, just long answers. So first question is, what would we find on Sherry's car radio? Oh, boy. So I listen to an oldie station or I actually listen to audiobooks still. I go to Half Price Books and I will get a slew of audiobooks just to keep me motivated. <laughs> and that's often what I'm listening to. That or I'm a big fan of Stephen King. Isn't that, isn't that gross? <laughs> no. Hey, like I said, no wrong answers, just long answers. Yeah. So uh, second question for you is what would we find on your bedside table? There again, boy, that's a great question. What do I have right now? I'm going to go back to, I, I'm really not a, a crazy Stephen King person, but I did recently purchase an actual book that I could take with me because I had a long flight. 
And so uh, I'm slogging through one of his older books. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm, a, I'm an e-reader guy, but I try to keep a physical book on my bedside table because my kids don't quite get the concept that I'm actually reading and not just looking at a computer. So I get it. <laughs> the next question, and again, no wrong answers, just long answers. Cats or dogs? Both. So I'm a big fan of pets, and we have never been without a pet. So we have a cat that lives upstairs, and we have two dogs that keep me wide awake. We're up at around 4.30 every morning, and we walk, uh, take a good long walk. The minute I get home, we take another one, and at night, we take another one. So if it weren't for them, I would probably be several pounds heavier. <laughs> All right. And, and the last question, this one's a little bit more serious. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? You know, these are things that I should have given a little bit more thought to, but it, you know, it, it really centers around uh, change. So I don't know if it's necessarily advice, but I am a big proponent of ongoing change. I know a lot of people don't necessarily like it. But I worked for a governor many years ago who was always thinking about the benefit of change and how we ought to be thinking about that in the context of the work that we do. And so I'm always thinking about how can we do something better? How can we make sure that we're more efficient? And how can we make sure that our workforce is prepared for that? Well, thank you. Before I turn it over to you to uh, kind of share about how our listeners could learn more about Downtown Indie Inc., I will just add my own bit of editorializing for any Indianapolis employers who might be listening to this who have not yet encouraged their workers to at least come downtown a couple of days a week. Uh, I can assure you we have been in our office uh, on a hybrid basis, uh, honestly, since June of 2020. And I can promise you it can be done in a healthy fashion. Downtown is safe. It is clean. And we all enjoy being around other people, even in a socially distant, safe manner. And I would just encourage you to give it a shot if you haven't done it. So with that, Sherry, I will turn it over to you to share how people can learn more about downtown India. Well, thank you again for this opportunity. If you want to go to our website, downtownindy.org, it has great information about any events that are happening in our downtown area. It gives you great information about parking, as well as the services that we offer and Really, just anything you want to know about downtown. And if you can't find it on our website, by all means, contact us at uh, 237-2220. And we are more than happy to assist with any needs that you might have related to downtown. Well, thank you, Cherry. I've enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate your service and promoting what a wonderful city this is to live and work. And I just thank you and have a great day. My pleasure. You do the same. Thank you. Thank you.